Uh, James, let me ask, how has your diet been over lockdown? Uh, over this one? Not not so bad, uh, as I've said before, because I was already in the habit of getting everything I need delivered, so I already knew where I would be getting my meats and where I'd be, be getting my tins and where I'd be getting my this and that. Okay. So it's, be, it's been okay. I've now got a rice cooker, which revolutionizes my lunch wow. options because I can just chuck a bunch of rice in there with a bunch of stuff and then it'll be ready and I don't have to worry about about forgetting about it and burning it to the pan. To, to be clear, the rice cooker does more than just cook rice. Well, for starters, it cooks rice perfectly. Uh, okay. But you can also add other things to it and it will cook it along with the rice and then still stop cooking it at the perfect time. I, I found that I've mastered certain dishes. So for example, I just had nachos just before we started, Ooh. which I think is the fourth time this week I've had nachos. <laughs> Because I've managed to figure out the best way of doing it. However, I realise it's to the detriment of my own yeah. <laughs> calorie intake. Have you have you changed any of the component ingredients, or have you just had exactly identical ones four times in a week? Well, I've I've like replaced the chicken with chorizo and, and just not uh-huh. had guacamole entirely because it's gross and off the <gasps> devil. No, no, wrong. I mean, does does anyone really like guacamole? Like, genuinely enjoy it. Uh, people, I like it. Ah, yeah, but you don't count. You're meant to play devil's advocate on the show. Other people must like it as well. Well, hang on. I'll ask, <laughs> I'll do a tweet. I'll just tweet right now. Okay, go and do that and see if we get any responses by the end of the, the program. The other thing is that along with repeating the same meals time after time, because they are very, very tasty, I feel like I just go straight away to the sugary stuff. So, for example, this week I tried for the first time vegan Krispy Kremes. Vegan Krispy Kremes cannot be that great. So, well, here's the thing. I tried it and thought, oh, they've given me the original one by mistake. Nope. Oh, they, they must be pretty great then. It's it's honestly identical. I couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. It was amazing. Well, however, I... however, the main issue is that it's still the same amount of calories. Or a very similar amount. Yeah, but it's more ethical. Well, exactly. No, no eggs had to die for the Krispy Kreme to be made. Aye, and no, uh, no cows had to be milked, involuntarily. Uh, <laughs> or no flour had to be grounded. Well, they probably did actually, because you know, vegans are degenerates who eat plants. <laughs> At what point? Sorry, this is totally off a t- uh, completely uh, different tangent here. At what point do vegans say, actually, you know what plants? We feel sorry for the plants too. We're not going to eat plants anymore because plants are living things too. I don't know when that day comes. Like it's a genuine, genuine question because of course the plants are is a living thing and you're stealing all its stuff. That's not cool. I mean, trees communicate with each other. Sunflowers really, really, really adore the sun, and that's kind of like a. I can empathize with yeah. that. I can, I can feel that emotion. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe there are people out there who want to minimize their entire intake because they are just so generous with their uh, <laughs> uh, suppression of their needs. Live off Jew and <laughs> yeah. energy of the universe. Exactly. Learn how to photosynthesize. Come on, humans. <laughs> um, but I also have eaten some decent vegan stuff recently. For the first time, I bought some like vegan uh, sweets that were actually good. Really? I'm yet to find any. Yeah, I, I'll see if I can get them out, out to you then. Cause, uh, cause well, the fruit, I, pa- I, uh, fruit pastels are vegan now. Oh, true, true. Um, but I, it was just some random ones. I decided to try it out and I actually really enjoyed them. So thumbs up. We're getting a, we're getting somewhere with uh, with our development. Uh, and the main, I had a discussion with Graham about this last week because he is one of them vegan types. And I said to him, look, 
if the food is tasty or as tasty as the meat alternative, I am all for it. Yeah. But when the vegan alternative is just not up to the same standard, yeah. I'm not I'm not there yet. So for example, and this will sound incredibly childish, okay. milk. Right. Because oat milk, soy milk, almond milk is just not as tasty as full fat dairy. It just isn't. I'm going to give oat milk the crown of being the king of the alternative milks. Yep. As we've discussed, oat milk is the best alt milk. In terms of best for planet and best for taste, yeah, probably. But it's still not the same. I like it more than milk milk. Uh, yeah, but you're weird. I know. You also like, you also like guacamole, so, you know, you don't count. <laughs> you know, I make my guacamole with oat milk. And there are... <laughs> There are some just double veganing me now. That's what the M stands for. What? <laughs> the uh, yeah, there's some other ones which you know I've had some very very tasty vegan meals, and you honestly would be none the wiser yeah. that the meatballs were yeah. pea protein or or the burger was was actually made of plants. You would have no idea. The big tell that there has been a a pretty serious significant spike in how good the vegan stuff is 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 over the last few years. It no longer exclusively is always oversalinated where it used to be. What does that mean? Whenever you used to try something vegan, it would just be salt. Oh, I see. You, you take a bite of whatever and it was and it's like, mmm, salt. <laughs> but now it just tastes like what it's supposed to taste like. I also disagree with the people who, I, I know this is a big part of influencer tech or influencer um, ad advertising they do in social media, of people who being like, yeah. I've cut out beef for the last two weeks and also all my alcohol and all my milk and all my stuff and now I feel healthier than I've ever done in your life. No, you don't. You're just saying that because you're selling something or whatever's going on. However, yeah. I feel better for my contribution to the planet. I do, genuinely. Oh. Because now I'm going at least two days a week, sometimes three, where I'm not having any meat at all. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That can only be a good thing for the planet. It is. It's, it is a good thing. We have been loaded with propaganda that it is the individual who contributes to climate change and not the corporation and not the nation. However, we do a little bit. Even a small little improvement is still significant for your own personal like output. Exactly. So cutting out meat for a couple of days is really good. Uh, I've been, like genuinely, I feel proud when I find... Uh, an alternative, an ethical alternative for anything that I, that I would otherwise be buying uh, non-ethically. So I recently bought new socks, and those socks were ethical, and I was like, yes, no slave labor. Vegan socks, uh, and nice. no bad practice. Now you can get vegan leather, right? I think so. You can get vegan anything. Yeah, I've got vegan leather boots. Vegan gaze. <laughs> I, I, do, I do stare at vegan content. Indeed. Okay, well, and on that terrible note, welcome to the show, everybody. It's Seesaw Parade. Awful. That was maybe the worst, the worst joke of the year. So, <laughs> so far. far, many more months still to come. <laughs> Episode two, three, seven. The show which just goes on and on. Here we are, back with the ten-minute intros, everybody. I bet you missed those. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I'm going to ed- edit it down to a, a chunky six minutes instead. I'm Colin, and he is James. Mm-hmm, I am James on Spotify. And in the background is Zelda. You might hear her snoring. It's it's kind of cute. Oh, Zelda on Spotify then too. Absolutely. And this is Scotland's least old podcast, your new favourite uh-huh. podcast with the yep. longest running season one of any Scottish podcast that's focused mainly on entertainment, but actually now more nowadays it's news, isn't it? Yeah. Podcast. W- yeah. Ever. I guess we kind of take the news as though it was entertainment still, in a sense. <laughs> we, we... That is a fair point. Yeah. 
you know, I'm not saying let's cross live to our expert correspondent, James McDonald. It's more just, no. hey, let's laugh at this terrible decision that has happened in the news. Yeah. And, and we, you can tell because we talk about a whole bunch of really difficult stuff. And then eventually there's something that's like, hey, guys, we aren't able to make this one entertainment. This is just bad news. <laughs> So that's the level we're at. We're we're scum. We're we're scum. We'd be Tories if we were rich. That's absolutely not true. We'd I be know, worse I than that. Be, I, <laughs> we'd be Brexit party if we were rich. <laughs> okay, well, if you disagree or have an opinion on anything that you hear on this show, you can get in touch with us at Seesaw Parade on Twitter. Yeah. And you can also send us an email. Indeed. Seesaw Parade at gmail.com, which I have not checked this week. So if you've oh. sent us an email... It's going to have to wait. I can no longer check it. However, oh, can you not? Colin booted me. Did I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My browser doesn't have the, have the right credentials anymore. Oh, no. Oh, we'll have to get that fixed. <laughs> but also, you can send us a review of anything you have watched. Uh, a movie, a TV show you finished, a book you've read, as Murray has done this week. So we're going to get to his review Excellent. later in the program. But James, wonderful. where else to start? than lockdown and quarantine and people who have to stay in hotels. I I imagine. James, this is the the story that from the 15th of February, everyone who's arriving from 33 COVID variant hotspots Mm -hmm. is going to have to stay in a hotel in the UK for 10 nights. Right. Downey Street say that uh, no contracts have yet been awarded to any of the hotels taking oh. part, despite the fact this is 10 days away. Uh-huh. And uh, Labour say that these are life-threatening delays and should be extended to all international travellers and not just from 33 countries. Yep. Let me put this into perspective, James. We are almost 11 months <laughs> yeah. into this no. pandemic from a, from a British perspective. No, yeah, this would have been a really good bit of headlining and news a year ago. <laughs> Not even exaggerating. Which is my question. Why has this taken... And I mean, they're still obviously up in the air discussing if they want to use Travelodge or Premier <laughs> Inn. But why has this taken 11 months for the government to say, hold on, let's force people to quarantine? You know what? Because none of their donors have hotel, hotel chains. Hotel chains. I guess Premier Inn, yeah. yeah. Travelodge, yeah, hotel. Um, none of their donors or, or mates would make an absolute fortune off of this. Is the only guess I have. If it comes out that, they're, that, they, that they actually do have mates and they are going to award contracts to their friends, then I've got no actual understanding of what has made this take so long because this government has only been enacting things that profit their friends. So my assumption is that this wasn't going to profit their friends and therefore they didn't do it. The, the SAGE committee has been, also I find the irony in the word SAGE hilarious, but the SAGE committee have been advising the government for the last year as to what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. And for the vast majority of the time, either the government have been too late or they've just ignored what's been said and then somewhere down the line have realised, hold on a second, maybe this was the right idea. But then nobody could have done any better. I'm unaware if SAGE had said in the past, this is what you should be doing. But like we've said in the show before, why was the, the UK government so unable to see what was working in the likes of New Zealand and Australia, <laughs> where basically everything was shut down and just copy them? Because that's 
where it was working yeah, well, in countries I, in Asia. That's where it was working. And and New Zealand have have told have told us this week that they're going to keep the borders closed for tourism until everybody within their nation is vaccinated. Wow. And they aren't on a major vaccination tra- trailblazing thing because they are safe. So they're letting other more risky countries vaccinate first. So New Zealand's still just playing the long, patient game, letting things play out, taking care of their people, and not setting a deadline of like, by mid-March, we will have tourists again. They're just saying we won't until we are safe, which is what we should have done the whole time. It's actually what Sage has said. Sage has been saying for a long time to Boris and the rest to stop setting dates and start setting goals for things to end. And we keep going, I think lockdown's going to end in February. Yeah. So there's all this uh, advice that just gets ignored um, and who knows what else. But yeah, I don't know if Sage were saying at any point that we should close our borders. And I, if they haven't been, I don't know why. Uh, as to why the government hasn't copied Australia or New Zealand, we actually heard from them this week that it's because we are an island nation, so it's hard for us to do, whereas Australia is an island continent. Oh, so right. it's easier for them to do, yeah. yeah. That, that's, the, that's the crucial difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or did they say that we weren't an island nation because we've got a border with Ireland? Whatever it is. Nonsense. Who knows? It was just this dumb idea that somehow we cannot isolate ourselves, even though it's far easier for us to do than almost anywhere else in the world. Okay, well, linked to the major stories in the world of coronavirus in the UK this week is the story that Captain Sir Tom Moore has died Indeed, from, yeah. uh, from yeah. coronavirus. Who? So this is the 100-year-old man who raised... Almost thirty-three million pounds mm. for the NHS by walking laps of his garden. Yeah. So to put this into context, uh, Captain Sir Tom, we'll call him Sir Tom. Sir Tom. Sir Tom. W- last year, realised that the NHS is terribly underfunded mm-hmm. and wanted to do his bit to help. Yes. And lo and behold, he's raised the staggering amount of money. He was knighted. And he spent Christmas in Barbados. Yeah, he met the Queen, got his knighthood, went to Barbados. A courtesy of British Airways. I'm sure he had a lovely time. Yeah, but it is still a, a bit of a... like. In, indeed. <laughs> that seems risky. However, my takeaway from this is that this epitomises yep. Britain's response to the pandemic in that yep. you know the flag-bearing hero of the pandemic, who we were all um, looking up to and say, oh, what an inspiration, dies from the disease you've been attempting to protect him from. Yeah, and a year into it. Well, exactly. Yeah, this, like, he, he, yeah, he, he was old. There's a lot of people saying, oh, he was old, it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, he was old, but he didn't need to die from coronavirus this far into the pandemic. This is a huge failure. It's just another emblem on the massive amounts of failure that this uh, government has had. Um, However, every single person who died mattered this much to someone or to some people, right? Correct. He's one person who's getting days worth of headlines. I I can imagine a world where we handle a pandemic well and we have very few deaths and every single one of those gets this amount of attention because it is so rare and such a huge deal yeah. that somebody in the UK died from a the pande- the global pandemic can't believe it but we're in we're in a state where we've got uh, six figure deaths and it takes somebody to have done something insanely unique to then die before they get named in the news or or before Boris apologizes and or it takes any sort of form of like uh 
uh, an apologetic stance, which I don't think he really did. So ju- just on that point, you-, you talk about the fact that Sir Tom is just one of over now 100,000 people who have died as a result of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Boris, uh, in the wake of, his, of uh, Sir Tom's death, he phoned Sir Tom's daughter and thanked the family and you know praised Sir Tom for everything he did. And then there was talk of, would he get a state funeral? And uh, I know Boris certainly led a round of applause uh, yeah, for yeah. Sir Tom. This is Boris, who, of course, previously said he did not believe in uh, gestures relating to taking a knee. Yeah, the Tory party who do not believe in, in gestures or anything of the sort or have, have continued to prove themselves liars by making more and more claps happen. And I'm sure everybody is cashing in those claps very eagerly to get their, their big beans from Tesco. Oh, exactly. I mean, claps are just invaluable. That's what we need uh, in a time like this, in a crisis where everybody's being told to stay at home and not work. What we need is claps. But, but that to me is, again a very sad reflection of the fact that this one person who undoubtedly did an incredible thing but was raising money for the health service, the National Health Service, which should have been properly funded in the first place. Yeah, we should have had our pandemic team, you know, not cancelled and stuff like that. And when you put it into the the broader picture, it's just a very, very sad story. It's a a guy whose achievement was completely undermined as well because he raised a whole bunch of money and then all we've seen from the government for the duration of the pandemic is throwing away money. They spent more money than he raised on an app that didn't even get used. They spent more money than <laughs> yep. he raised on a whole bunch of like test and trace operations that didn't even get used. Um, they've they've wasted all the all the money that he raised and more, and, and it, they've just done every, taken everything that he did and tarnished it. And then hey, they also are responsible for him dying at this time from this thing. It's the fact as well that. I believe a huge amount of the stories regarding the government's uh, handling or giving out of contracts to people who were who they were pals with has largely been forgotten. And as you say there, James, the amount of money as unex- this is not unexpected. Also true, the amount of money they've been they've spent, particularly giving contracts to companies who had only been founded four weeks yeah. prior to being given to being given the contract or awarded it in the first place, is simply stunning and also mm. horrifying, whilst yeah. also being completely unsurprising. And people just do not seem to be bothered by the fact that this has been going on since day one of the pandemic, and actually long before that. The only hope I have, because we can't trust the media to care about the right things anymore. They, they printed more headlines about independence for Scotland being bad uh, than they did about any coronavirus thing I've seen. The only hope I have is not that the people will demand justice via a vote because we've all got short-term memories. We, we can't rely on the media to print things. The only hope is that there is some justice within the justice system, that there are teams uh, of lawyers and teams of uh, workers who are putting together entire files and entire uh, court cases and prepping them for when the pandemic is done so that we can they can then try and uh, bring to actual justice people who are legitimately at fault for hundreds of thousands of deaths. And far more, because it's not just the deaths that matter, as I try to remind myself all the time. Okay, we have an absolute truckload of stories this week, so we're going to move swiftly on uh, before we head over to something lighter for for a short time. Moving on as swiftly as the media moves on from conservative government failures. So this is the story of Joanna Cherry, who is a 
SNP politician in Westminster, who this week... And a gender-critical feminist. Was this, was this week effectively sacked from her role mm. uh, on the front benches at Westminster. She, I believe, was the only person who was essentially reshuffled in the wake yeah, of what has been a, a, a very turbulent few weeks slash months for the SNP. So, Indeed. Joanna is, is uh, or Miss Cherry, is controversial, mainly because of her <laughs> views regarding uh, transgender issues. And she's also yes. a, a staunch ally of Alex Salmond. And if you are keeping up to date with the war of words between uh, the former First Minister of Scotland and the current First Minister, that is all getting very, very messy. And reading between the lines, yes. Nicola Sturgeon, who is the current incumbent, would like absolute loyalty from uh, her Indeed. her own party. And uh, Joanna Cherry was one of those who was creating a bit of a problem. She did make, do her best to undermine things every now and then. She did indeed. However, I, I will say at this point, Alex Hammond was not found guilty of any charges, which is a huge part of what Joanna Cherry's argument is. Okay. Yes. So, continuing on, last week, Nicola Sturgeon posted a video on Twitter uh, in the wake of uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people apparently throwing in their memberships uh, from the SNP and deciding to go elsewhere mm-hmm. because of these uh, allegations of transphobia within the party. And in particular, yeah. this new hate crime reform bill, which had some amendments had been made uh, to say that if you've got an opinion on trans issues, then therefore you would no longer be criminalised. And people saw that as know, right? an, attrac- uh, an attack on... Um, yeah on people who are transgender. Trans people just don't get made fun of enough. Uh, you know, it just, they, they, they got too much of a status in this world. Right. So this has been going on and on. Sturgeon's posted this video. A lot of people said empty words, didn't really mean anything. And now here we are, Joanna Cherry has been sacked. So yeah. one final thought before I hand the microphone over to you, because my goodness, this is a tricky one. Uh, the Scottish government have been working on gender reform, a gender reform act since oh, early 2018. And it has been on hold for about a year at this point yeah. because of how vitriolic the debate had become yes. between the two sides, to the extent that a man was arrested on Tuesday for a death threat sent to Miss Cherry. So this is all very nasty, James. My view on things, before I uh, I hand over the microphone, I did say I would, but just a second, is that <laughs> the SNP have managed this horribly in that even, notwithstanding anyone's opinions on Joanna Cherry, this is not the way you have a discussion in your party about people who have differing views on an issue. Now, Joanna Cherry has not helped herself with the way she has phrased a lot of her comments. Yeah. That being said, I do think the SNP have made an absolute bull in a china shop-esque performance here. Yeah, the way way they've handled it made more noise of the situation than it really needed. Uh, Correct. Because frankly, from what I've seen from, from Cherry, on Twitter especially, is that she is... Towing, putting her toes into the pool of bigotry publicly, um, and also vehemently defending and supporting people who are just diving right into that pool and being outright bigoted. Right. Uh, and I feel like the SNP seeing this can go, hey, we don't accept bigots in the party, away you go, and actually boot her. But instead they were like, 
hey, I would just you go back to the back benches, okay, and keep quiet about it. And I'm feeling like they like they 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 just instead of coming down hard or just saying like no, we accept all forms of debate, which is a useless statement. Um, they did they did something of both, and that doesn't please anybody. And now it's just an even bigger argument. Yeah, um, the, the problem here is, and again, this is a far more nuanced argument than we can contain within a few minutes of a podcast. But the main issue. I would say is that Joanna Cherry and her supporters have a problem with self-IDing. Yeah, but that's just that's just it's a weak. This is a weak argument. I'm going to okay. throw it out there. Okay, um, but this this is this is their main bone of contention, which is if people are allowed to ID and say, ID themselves as a specific gender. Yeah. For example, me saying, "Oh, by the way, I'm a woman." Mm-hmm. I'll be allowed to use women's spaces, and their argument is, "Well, that's just going to make women." feel unsafe what um what stops you from using women's spaces at the moment because i am a man no but what actually stops you from using women's spaces at the moment uh technically nothing i could go do that today do you get id'd as you walk into public bathrooms or something because i don't no do you get id'd when going into change rooms and stuff because right i don't right so the bone of contention then is that cherry et al would say that self-iding would let people uh, walk in and use the spaces they wanted to, even though how, they can do that right now. How, how does an ID help anybody take advantage more than they already can? Because they have the defense of saying, oh, I'm a woman. Yeah, and then instead of getting chucked out, it's like, oh, well, <laughs> now we know that you're allowed to be here. Don't be a creep. The, the creep law still applies. If you are if you identify as female and you're a creep, you still get booted from places uh, for being a creep, right? Uh, a lot of the arguments... Um, that you see floating around uh, in these groups and these people, if you just take the word like transgender at the argument and put in like lesbian or take the word transgender and put in like gay, it'll be a copy paste of the debates that were being that's true uh, that were being had twenty uh, ish years ago, ten years ago um about just a different thing. It's the same it's the same exact statements of like, well, females who present as men are just they're just creepy and they shouldn't come into our public spaces. Uh, right. What about like the whole entire problem of the way butch lesbians were treated um, for for decades? So much so that 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 um, they wouldn't actually go into those public spaces. It's just happening again. It's a copy paste, and it's the same weak arguments. Um, an ID doesn't help anybody get away with anything. You know, whether or not you think self-ID matters, I, I, I would say just try to have some sympathy. Maybe if you want to change your ID, you shouldn't have to go through a, like months of severely invasive interviews and questions. Uh, and maybe if you want to go to the bathroom, you shouldn't like have your, have your uh, genitals inspected, you know. Um, but the arguments from, from the what I consider often... V- bigoted groups are all very very divisive and horrible and they're just presented as though they're defending something um because the most common bigot is one who instead of attacking something like we know westboro baptist church bigots they Uh, are instead defending something so they frame it as like we're defending women's spaces or we're defending women's rights whereas really they're just reframing an argument that was targeting women to now be targeting a different woman. So it used to be targeting lesbian women, and now it's targeting transgender women. What's the difference? We've just aged, and it's the same bigotry. Yeah, you're right. It's it's the same argument that's been repeated for years. I've got a couple of points here. The first one is about the lack of 
empathy or sympathy or support that I've seen yeah. over the last uh, few months, a few years. And from someone who has been in a situation where I heard so many of these arguments thrown in my face for so yeah. long about, uh, you know, being in a relationship was abusive or anyone who supported me was wrong. It is yeah. so heartbreaking to see people like Heather Brunskill Evans say things like, if you're a parent with a trans child and you support that child, that's t- uh, tantamount to abuse. That just makes me sad. And it's exactly, not yeah. what this debate needs. And the second aspect, which I just touched on a minute ago, is the fact that it was actually Patrick Harvey, who's the Scottish Greens leader, who this week tweeted an image from 18 years ago of uh, the day after he suggested for the first time that gay people should be allowed to have civil partnerships. And the reaction on the front page of the Daily Mail was uh, the Greens' threat to the family. Yeah. And you look back at it now and say, well, that's outrageous. You know, this idea that, you know, the gays can't be happy and, you know, themselves and well-adjusted and, and settled in life. And we're just seeing the same arguments being played out again, except it's 2021. Yeah. And now I'm not trying to suggest that people who identify as gender critical feminists or whatever need to be hate bombed on Twitter. Because I, I, like, as much as I make little of it sometimes, and it, and it should just be as simple as turning off your notifications for however long it takes for the stuff to go away. Um, that level of hate and threat shouldn't be targeted at anyone. And there are a lot of legitimate and very often uh, abuse related um, reasons that somebody becomes. Uh, gender yep. critical in their later life and it's it's tied very much to their past experiences themselves so you'll find that very often it is um, people who used to be at the receiving end of this bigotry who are now uh, putting it out towards others because that's just how abuse works and it goes in cycles so you got to try to not judge people and, and sometimes the way I say things sounds a lot more judgmental than I would want it to be but I'm not very eloquent sometimes <laughs> But, you know, if you've got a big following on Twitter or you've got power within a nation, maybe don't try to demonize hundreds of thousands of people just because you're uncomfortable. Correct. And to me, the biggest way you can convince people is by personal experience. You know, I know that certainly my parents slash family's perceptions of gay people were were had to fundamentally change as soon as they realized that their son was gay. Or their, their brother was gay. Yeah. And that forces people to change. And it's the same way, you know, I have two friends who are trans who grew up, yeah. went to school as, you know, Iona and is now Lewis and has been Lewis for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the amount of trauma and abuse and people just being downright yeah. horrible to him is disgusting. And all I want, having gone through the kind of same, not even close to the same level, but a similar level of abuse over the years... Is I can't even imagine what that would have been like for someone who's yeah. who's who's realised actually I'm not who I was I was born to be I want to be somebody else yeah so so to me it's yeah. just the base level of sympathy and let's actually treat these people with kindness instead of this exactly horrendous mud flinging that we've seen and will continue to see I've no doubt yeah. within the SNP and and broader politics over the next few years yeah and it is so many of the people have the statements when they're putting out their gender critical stuff or their turf stuff uh, where they're saying things like 
uh, I have friends within the trans community and I fully support them, but, but. this or that. Or I fully support trans people except this or that. And it's like, but then you don't fully support them because you're deciding that your friends are a minority group within the trans people and most of them must be demons or most of them must be evil. And the other thing that happens is we treat the trans people with such hatred and, and, and such callousness and such abuse. And then we see the post-trans suicide rate and the post-trans depression rate. And we're like, well, it's because they're yeah. trans. It's like, no, it's clearly because they are victims. They tried their best to become someone they're comfortable with. And even when they did, we, we as a nation kept stamping on them and then the bad things happened. You can't blame them. You blame the people who are stamping on them. Okay, James, let's move on to something slightly, ever so slightly more lighthearted. It's the Golden Globe nominations for 2021. The main headline being the three women have been nominated for Best Director, which is the first time that more than one woman has been shortlisted in a single year. Yeah. So this is Regina King, Chloe Zhao, and Emerald Fennell, who are all up for the prize, uh, which had only ever previously nominated five women in total over the last 77 years. So uh, in terms of the films and the TV shows that are leading the way, Mank... It has six nominations. This is the David Fincher film about the creation of Citizen Kane with Gary Oldman. It's on Netflix. I've still to watch it, but it's on my list. And also The Crown, which is leading the TV awards. It also has six nominations. You've got Sasha Baron Cohen, Olivia Coleman uh, are amongst the Brits up for acting awards. And uh, The Trial of the Chicago 7 and comedy Schitt's Creek also have five nominations each. So there's a lot of this, James... Each year, when we discuss the Golden Globes or the Oscars, we will have like a rundown of the films we've seen, the performances we've enjoyed, and who we think is going to win. Right. But because a lot of these films are yet to be released, certainly in the UK, yep. it's very difficult to say. Yep. So I, c- I can only really pick the ones that I have seen, and of that, I think I'm on maybe three movies. Well done. Okay, so best motion picture drama. Now, the Golden Globes does this thing where it splits films into, was this a serious movie? Or was it a f- yeah, fun yeah. movie? Yeah, sometimes the divide is questionable. <laughs> Indeed, as we've seen The Big Short, which won Best Comedy uh, a few years ago. Yeah, So yeah, Best yeah. Motion Picture Drama, you've got The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Mank, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. And that movie is the only one I've seen. Right. It was very good, but I'd be surprised <laughs> if it were to walk away with the, big, with the, yeah. the main prize. However, of the ones you've seen, it's most likely to win. I mean, I mean that is also true because it's been out for a few months yes. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Best Actress, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is also on Netflix, is also on my list, and is supposedly very, very good. It's Viola Davis. It's going to be good. Yeah, well, I would yeah. say she's got the, the best chance there. But Frances McDormand in Nomadland is also getting rave reviews. I'm sure that will be out on streaming soon. Uh, best Actor, you've got the likes of Chadwick Boseman, or also for that Ma Rainey film, uh, Gary Oldman for Mank, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, and Riz Ahmed oh, yeah. for Sound of Metal, which is about a drummer who loses his hearing, uh-huh. which does sound interesting. I would, uh, no pun intended, would like to watch that. And then, here's the biggest one for me, Borat the sequel has been nominated for a Golden Globe in the musical or comedy. I mean, yeah, it's a comedy. It is, but it's yeah, it's not Golden Globe worthy. Uh, 
I mean, there, well, there wasn't that much out in the last year, <laughs> I guess. You're it telling me. lowers the bar a wee bit, but I think people are quite liking like some of the directorial choices that they made and right. some of the editing choices that they made and the way that the, they carried the family dynamic and the evolution of that pair through the story, right? There is, there is yeah, yeah. some film critic gold within this within this film, even if it's quite a lot of dumb as well. Well, for example, Maria Bakalova, who is the main actress who plays Borat's daughter, she's up for a nomination and I'm totally on board with that. She was great. Yes, yes. The the main uh, points I'll take away from the Globes, I won't go through any more of the nominations, otherwise you may already be asleep, is that the issue that people have is that Emily in Paris, or sorry, Emily in Paris. Emily in Paris. Or uh, Colin in Holland, as we like to call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has been nominated for, I believe it was best uh, best TV series, comedy or or musical. And a lot of people were saying, why has this show about some white girl influencer who's off to make friends with Parisians and was largely slated by critics winning a, or being nominated for a Golden Globe when other yeah. shows missed out, yeah. which were led by people of colour or uh, different backgrounds or whatever. A whole host of shows which should have been uh, given pride of place and, and missed out. Yeah. The other one is James Corden, oh, yeah. who has been nominated <laughs> for his role in, I think it's Prom. Yeah, where he plays himself. Purely. Where he he just plays a more effeminate version of himself yeah. for two hours, yeah. which I will not be watching, suffice to say. Yeah, I, and it, there's always going to be a question or two, but yeah, yeah, I think when it comes to thinking about um, th- these these poor entries, y- you got to consider that probably the, there's a top two and a top three and everything beyond that isn't going to win anyway, so it doesn't matter. The main ones I've seen, um, of the ones I've seen, I would say that Dev Patel should be winning Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy for his role in The Personal History of David Copperfield. Right, yeah. Which is yeah. on Amazon Prime. It's great fun. He is a, he is good at what he does as well. So yeah, that's not surprising. Oh, yeah. If you're yet to see it, I would, I would highly recommend it. It's very, very fun. And also there were some rufflings about Jared Leto being nominated for The Little Things. Yeah. Which is a, a Seven-esque movie, which also has Denzel Washington and uh, Rami Malek yeah. in the uh, in the lead roles. And most of the analysis of these nominations were saying, Rami Malek should have got the nomination instead of Jared Leto. But hey-ho, that's where, that's where critics differ. Yeah, and also, I'm just surprised that, that he's still allowed in public. I don't know. The more time goes by, the, the, the more I realize that he is just one of those people, you know, the creeps. And he's done, he has, he's got a lot of actual trash on the record that he's done. True. And he hasn't like managed to be completely cancelled. I mean, it's because cancellation is, is not effective for starters, but it's just somehow he, he's, he's getting away with continuing to have mild success. But it's because he's, he's, he does it under the guise of method acting. Quite and if it's lot, method acting, then you're it, yeah, allowed yeah, to yeah. send dead pig's heads to people who are also in the cast with you. Yeah, but no, uh, yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if in like a year or, or two we found out that he's like getting investigated and he, he ends up going to jail or something. Okay. Uh, one final point then, James. The three women who've been uh, nominated in the director's category, uh, which is, as I mentioned, yeah, almost the same number as has been nominated in the previous 77 years. Which means we're probably not going to have any more for like 20 years now. That's it. <laughs> do, <laughs> do you think... Check them all off. Do you think then it is about the changing of people's attitudes or 
is this just a, oh, I, su- I suppose we should probably nominate some more women because we've, yeah. we've seen the backlash over the years. And I m- must say at this point, the Hollywood Foreign Press are the ones who nominate the Golden Globes. And I believe there are less than 100 of them. Yeah. So that also plays in, if you consider the Oscars, which has something like 50,000 voters. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be some element of it that is a wee bit of virtue signally and a wee bit of signal boosting. However, yeah, both of those things are legitimate to to make like a female director be an icon that inspires more people. A big part of recovery from years and years of inequality is finding those points of inspiration that make uh, balancing out the inequality easier in future generations. Um, however, there is uh, there is more of a shift towards like, hey, female directors are legitimate, which is just true. But for some reason, it's been a talking point that maybe they're not somehow. Uh, and there is also the shift of there are more female directed pieces. So therefore, there are more that are going to be award worthy and they might hit yep. the list. And there's a combination of all those things. I, I, I see a lot of uh, chatter just saying that it's all virtue signaling and that's just nonsense. Okay, let's move on to what we've been watching this week. James, I have three movies which I'm going to give short shrift to because we've either talked about them before or they're terrible. We have. And uh, I believe you've got a TV show. Yeah, I've got a TV show indeed. Okay, well, let me hit you with my first one. It was after your review of Cabin in the Woods. Ah. I went back and rewatched it. And I can completely agree, it is a lot of fun. It is. It's I, a good film. I really enjoyed it. And even though I'm not a horror fan, I am able to cope with the essentially comedy gore that takes place over the uh, the 90 minutes. It's just a very well-constructed, put-together film. I really liked it, and if you can handle some messy moments, I would heartily recommend it. Yes. Okay, James, my other two are the final two movies in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. You did it! I did it! Yay! So let me hear your TV show first before I give you this drivel. Oh, all right. I finished watching The Expanse, the most recent season, I believe season five. Um, Just a quick question. This is a Netflix show? Is this the one with... It's an Amazon one. Sci-fi. Oh. Um, Oh, it's a sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. Um, And... I think we talked about it um, when I've watched previous seasons. I picked it up just because I thought, hey, it can't be bad. Turns out, for me at least, it's like the definitive sci-fi show that is ongoing. Wow. Why? It, it is so well done. Um, it is so well done for a show that it makes me want to go read the books, whereas sometimes a show can be kind of mediocre and it makes me want to just like forget about everything involved with it. Um, it's really interesting what they've done this season, which is something that they pulled from the books, which... We've had our main four cast members and previously they've kind of gone on like little sidetracks, but the story has always followed them on their ship as they do stuff. In this season, they've all gone separate ways and had their own individual stories, Um, but they handled it really well because the way that they told the stories showed how each one of those things either literally impacted the other people's stories or... The, their experiences with their characters impacted uh, their decisions or the way they handled themselves or it educated them. Interesting. Um, unsurprisingly, it's a sci-fi show, so therefore it's got some absolutely be- actually beautiful shots and scenes and pure art. Uh-huh. Um, however, there are a few moments in particular where the, the, their use of the sound design, set pieces, framing and all this... It goes beyond that. It's just like moments where it makes you hold your breath waiting for whatever happens because they've done wow. specific moments so well. And it surprises me because when I first picked it up, I thought, hey, I'm watching this in a way. It'll be background background chatter. And it's ended up being so good. Um, there's really good character. They're well-defined. 
what they do most of the time makes sense. Their oversights are sometimes a bit like, well, people wouldn't actually not miss that. There's there's the cheap TV moments to let the story happen. They had to deal with an actor departing from the show or rather getting booted from the show because the actor was not a good human. Oh dear. Um, so they, and that was one of, the, one of the primary characters. So they've actually dealt with that really well where they didn't like go for this big final heroic moment or anything. They just dealt with it in a very in-universe way. Um, and I was impressed. I knew it was coming and I was like, how are they going to handle it? They handled it as well as you could. I think if you didn't know the behind the scenes stuff, you might be like, well, that was, that was weird. Bit, a bit anticlimactic, but it all makes sense in the grand picture. He did need to go. Um, the show, one of the really clever things about the show, and I'm sure it's just pulled from the books, is that each season has crisis going on and characters solving it. Um, and the characters most of the time don't feel safe. They do feel expendable, even though the main few have survived incredible things. Um, but each crisis goes through a cycle of also hinting to and setting up the next crisis so each thing feeds into the next one in a believable way that you're getting like drip fed rather than at the end of the season they drop in a scene that shows you here's why you're going to watch next time okay Uh, it all just builds up and builds up and i don't see how they're going to finish it because i think they're only slated for one more season but i really want a lot more than one more season so so highly recommended then if you like sci-fi, 100%. If you don't like sci-fi, 99%. Okay. Well, off the back of that, if you're thinking of re-watching a, a movie franchise anytime soon, don't watch the Pirates of the Caribbean one because it's terrible. Just watch the first one five times. Exactly. So I have now finished On Stranger Tides, which is film four, and Dead Men Tell No Tales, which is film five and the final one in the franchise. Oh. They are apparently considering rebooting this with the writers of Deadpool. Indeed. But we'll see. Indeed. Anyway, my mm-hmm. my thoughts we'll are see. My thoughts are that uh, the fourth film, One Stranger Tides, is slightly better than two and three. In that, uh-huh. it, it it just goes back to a bit more of the basics. And Captain Barbosa is brilliant as ever. Jeffrey Rush is awesome, and uh, despite the fact that Johnny Depp is still doing a lot of screaming and uh, a lot of just he's a bit being stupid. He 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 must have inspired TikTok. He is he was how you. Be successful in TikTok, but in a film. Exactly, yeah. So Stranger Tides is a very slight improvement, but that's not saying much. And then Dead Men Tell No Tales. Sorry, Ian McShane is in the fourth one as the villain, Blackbeard. He's very good. Yeah. He's having a great time. Ian McShane's always good, though. Uh, And then in the fifth one, we have uh, Captain Salazar, who's played by Javi Bardem. Yes. Who is a phenomenal actor and is just lost in this role he's just a cgi like half his brain is missing from the shots and yes he's, his face is all cracked and he's got lisp however the cgi is is really well done it's actually super impressive some of the tech they've pulled off it's just Indeed. unnecessary and it makes the character not very relatable or human or interesting they introduced some new characters into this franchise uh brendan thwaites and kaya scoladario to try and breathe new life into the uh the, the saga but this is a bloated Terrible, badly written, unfunny, sloppy movie, and uh, it just got more and more ridiculous. Didn't enjoy it. Absolute rubbish. Only watched the first one five times. Yeah. If you, dear listener, have watched anything, you can send us a review like Murray did. He's uh, he sent us a beautiful audio review. I'm gonna play it for you now. Please do. Hello, Colin. Hello, James. Hello. So recently my wife and I decided to check out Pixar's newest film, Soul. Soul tells the story of Joe, a middle-aged pianist from New York who spends his days teaching high school music whilst waiting for his big break to become a famous jazz musician like his father before him. 
Following a call from a former student, that big break may have finally come, but after an audition, Joe has an accident and wakes up as a non-corporeal soul. Deciding to not go towards the light and desperate to find a way back to his body, he ends up meeting 22, a soul in training that hates the idea of living on Earth and is yet to find her spark, her passion and talent in life which will give her purpose, which every soul requires before they head to Earth. Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey lead the cast, which is also rounded out with a lot of voices that will make you go, oh, I recognise that, who is it? Mm. Richard Ayoade is at his nasally best, Rachel House, who you'll know from Hunt for the Wilder People, Angela Bassett, and weirdly, Graham Norton, who is massively miscast and is pretty bad in this. Oh, yeah. Visually, of course, this is just stunning. There are some shots of New York which are beautiful to look at and bafflingly realistic. <laughs> the colours are vibrant, the city is noisy and alive, and it feels like you're watching a real place which is a life outside of the main characters. The characters, however, are where the film starts to fall down. Joe is not likeable. He's clearly frustrated that life hasn't gone how he expected it to and sees teaching as beneath him. On top of that, he's just a very selfish person. 22 is bland. I really can't think of anything else to say about her, to be honest. But the real letdown for me is the story. It's just plain boring. <laughs> it takes ages to get going and by the time it does, I was so past caring. There's a poor attempt at setting up a villain, but Terry, the de facto villain, is literally trying to balance the books after Joe lied and cheated to get back to Earth, so it's not exactly like you can root for Joe to beat her. The vast majority of the film relies on a classic comedy trope and becomes a body swap adventure where 22 ends up in Joe's body and Joe ends up in the body of... a cat. (laughs) Joe then has to convince 22 to let him back in his body so he can play the gig that he believes will finally kickstart his music career and give his life true meaning. But, surprise, surprise, 22 suddenly starts to realise that life is about enjoying the little things and now wants to stay on Earth. Cue hilarious shenanigans. The story basically unfolds exactly how you expect it to after that, with 22 saying and doing more and more outlandish things whilst masquerading as Joe, and also somehow able to convince people that Joe is Mm. fine and not having some sort of mental breakdown whilst arguing with a cat. There's no big twist or revelation. It ends how you expect it to. There's an attempt at a switcheroo of what the film is actually about, which you'll see coming from a mile off if you've even been vaguely paying attention. Mm. But that's it. Except, all the way through, it's setting itself up for a big emotional ending and for Joe to have a realisation of what his true passion is. But the film just kind of ends. (laughs) There's no satisfying conclusion, and it honestly feels like the final ten minutes are missing. It's a film that is dealing with some big philosophical ideas about the nature of existence, what it means to be truly happy and the meaning of life, but it fails to deliver any sort of payoff for any of them. Now don't get me wrong, I don't expect a Pixar film to answer questions that have plagued all of us at some point, but to cop out and leave it up to the fewer to decide about what it all really means makes me roll my eyes so hard I'm afraid they'll pop out of their sockets. As you can probably tell, I was massively disappointed and I really can't see myself wanting to go back at any point to give it a second chance. (laughs) At most, I'd give it 3 or 4 out of 10 and that's purely because of the aesthetics. Ironically, for a film called Soul, it seemed strangely soulless. Mm. A typically cutting review from Murray Wilson. No, I could tell. I could tell he didn't like the film. Yeah. (laughs) He's uh, he does that. That's very much his style. I, like I would that. say. So thank you, Murray. That was it. Was excellent. That was a good review. Uh, d- not quite as excellent as the film certainly sounded. Hell. And I'll be honest. I'm surprised because I'm. I have not seen Soul, but I think the reviews were actually 
good ish. I think it was like warm because you know established massive bud movie um, house. You can't make fun of their stuff. Oh, of course, yeah. So I think yeah. maybe it's more like a good the good dinosaur kind of kind of movie as opposed to you know knockout Toy Story three. Yeah, yeah. Just like kind of forget about it. Yeah, it's really cool to hear that they got like. The city, right? Because I do, I do like it when a set or a or a location feels like a character. Okay, James, time is disappearing. We've got to move but on. The, the set shouldn't be the best character in the film. Right, James, we have still four stories to go. The first one, we're going to go to uh, Myanmar before we finish up in the States. So this is a story that mm-hmm. uh, just less than a week ago... A uh, military coup was enacted in the country, in the the biggest city of uh, Yangon, where the leader, the uh, leader of the country, Aung San Suu Kyi, which I did not say correctly, uh, has been under house arrest since Monday. Now, this was uh, after the military decided to take over following uh, elections in the country, which the party of uh, San Suu Kyi, the National League for Democracy, uh, won apparently, in a landslide. And the military were very unhappy about this and decided to take over. Yeah, they, they, did, a, they did a big donny and they were like, these elections are not legitimate. And everybody went, eh, and then they went, no, they're not. And then they took over the country. Yeah, so this has been uh, it's about five days now. And civil yeah. disobedience is apparently gaining momentum with teachers and students yes. now protesting against the military coup. We've had the likes of the UK... Uh, the US speak out against this, France as well. And there have been a, a number of other nations who have said their bit. The UN were meant to be putting out a, a statement or some sort of a vote on some sort of sanction uh, after the military coup. And then China said, hold on a second, we're not doing this. We don't support it. So China. clearly there's some uh, some things, bigger things going on behind the scenes. Yeah, a big, bigger picture for the entire place is that it is a young democracy. It previously was already under military dictatorship yeah. until pretty recently. Uh, and then when they rewrote their constitution, the only way they could they could find uh, an agreement was if they gave the military permanently a quarter of the votes within their whatever house Um and they also need 75% of the vote in any place to to rechange to do any changes to the constitution so the military was de facto not the leaders but the military already had de facto uh, veto on basically any big changes in the country as it stood and clearly uh, they kept their power to themselves and clearly uh, the the government never really had control over the military and now we're seeing what happens when that's the case uh, and it sucks. So, so I mentioned the UN earlier. It's actually the UN Security Council, yes, who had uh, called on the military authorities in Myanmar to release Ms. Suu Kyi and other detained leaders, uh, but they stopped short of condemning the coup because China were very unhappy. However, China and Russia have both called for uh, Ms. Suu Kyi's release. Yeah, which is a, a very rare show of international unity, which is nice. Yeah, hopefully this just doesn't end up with the whole military dictatorship thing. That's the big hope. Um, but, but but is that something that they can that they will determine themselves, or do you think this inevitably leads to some sort of uh, military well, showdown? I, I think with international pressure so united that anybody who had taken control would be like, keeping control is clearly not going to be profitable for us. Uh, let's try and find a, 
uh, way to reform this. However, the military clearly already has too much power within government, and I don't see them wanting to let go of that. So it, it could be a mess. Okay, let's move on. Talking of Russia, a Moscow court has jailed the Putin critic Alexei Navalny for three and a half years for apparently violating the conditions of a suspended sentence that he had been given. <laughs> yeah, no, he had to, he, he wasn't checking with his parole officer, <laughs> having been poisoned and fleeing the country. <laughs> Indeed. So he's been in detention since he returned to Russia last month. Uh, he was treated in Germany last year for a nerve agent attack uh, in August, which nearly killed him. Yes. And there have since been protests and violent scenes in Moscow. Uh, videos on social media were showing police who were beating and arresting protesters who came out to yeah. support Mr. Navalny. And actually, thousands of people have rallied across the country. Indeed. And so, hopefully continue to. So this, again, has been condemned by lots of people with important titles, and uh, Mr. Navalny said the entire case was fabricated. Well, yeah, and the court the court case was a sham because they went through two judges before they found one willing to do what they said and blah, 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 blah. The rest, all the things you'd expect. But, but again, this is a case of, you know, the EU or the UK or whoever can, you know, rattle their cage and say, oh, we're not very happy about this. This is terrible. He should be released immediately. Yeah. And Russia shrug, shrug their shoulders and say, well, what are you going to do about it? Well... And the question, and the answer is very, very little. Yeah. The, 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 the answer could be that we have united sanctions globally, not on the nation, but on the specific people who uh, have Putin's ear, uh, all of his very rich pals. They would be very easy to isolate and they'd be very easy to make them see their bank accounts dwindle. Um, we might do that. Now that Biden is in, is in charge and Biden is saying that America is no longer going to just roll over, um, then we, we might see a little bit of a change with the way things in Russia responded to globally. Okay, our penultimate story is over on the uh, state side. It's Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is the uh, Republican congresswoman who has now been expelled from two committees over yes. remarks she made before she was elected. So, uh, MTG had been promoting baseless QAnon conspiracy theories for years. She denied that 9-11 had happened and also denied school shootings had happened and had uh, publicly harassed one of the uh, survivors of uh, one of the most recent shootings. Yeah. Uh, she actually said uh, in before this vote at the, in the House of Representatives that she uh, regretted her views yeah, and uh, that uh, QAnon was uh, she had been led to believe that these things were true and it turned out uh, that they were fake they were all for nothing very opportune of her to say at this point in time yeah. but the, the vote took place and uh, it was passed by around 20 oh sorry 31 votes with uh, 11 Republicans joining the Democrats uh, to strip her off these uh, committee rules yeah so she's still in Congress but she doesn't have quite as much influence Correct, yeah. And I believe the next vote to take place is is to actually chuck her out of Congress. Indeed. For a, a couple of things, one of which was a poster which she put out on her Facebook page in 2019, which showed her standing with an AR-15, which is a, an assault rifle, mm -hmm. and in the background were the squad, which is uh, Ilhan Omar, yeah, yeah. AOC and uh, Rashida Tlaib, yeah. who are yeah, otherwise known as the squad. Yeah. And the caption was... Um, Democrats' worst nightmare, and here's uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene with a with a big old gun. Yeah, feels. And she also said uh, previously in a tweet that the quickest way to remove Nancy Pelosi from her position of power 
was a bullet to the head. And these people get voted for. And this woman was then voted in. Yeah. Stunning. Uh, yeah. America, yeah. States are a mess. We got... And a poll came out, but it was a bit of a tiny, tiny poll base, but suggesting that if Trump formed a party, a significant amount of uh, conservatives would leave and join his party. And yep. having seen people like 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 our uh, crazy lady here get, get voted into literal Congress... Um, having said such things as no plane crashed into the Pentagon on 9-11, it was, uh, what I believe, she said, a Jewish space laser. Um, she, so, no, she blamed the Californian fires for, no, that was, yeah, uh, the, for Jewish... The, the fires were the Jewish, Jewish space, space laser. lasers. Yeah, so, so Jewish people firing lasers from space uh, started the California fires. And the Pentagon was an inside job and there was no actual plane crashed into it. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, I'm getting my stories mixed up. Easy done. She gets voted in, so it's no surprise that like a significant amount of conservatives are now just beyond saving and would leave the party uh, if Donald Trump uh, decided to make his own one. Um, it's going to be messy. And there are more people within places in power in states that need to that need to lose their jobs for the things they have done recently. It, it shouldn't just be conspiracy theorists who aren't right. trusted. It should be seditionists who aren't trusted. Just, just a quick question. I know time is gone, but we've discussed this in the past. And to me, the Republican Party have to make a decision because they're at a crossroads here, which is, do we keep this big tent of a party with all the incredibly wide-ranging amount of yeah. views, including the ones which are dangerous and yeah. recent months deadly? Or do we say, nope, this is not what the Republican Party is about. We are not the party of Donald Trump. Let's go back to our roots. And I'm using my air quotes here. Yeah. The, the, the risk with that is that, is that as you say, James, they're going to lose a sizable chunk of their vote. Yeah. Because people will go and vote for Trump or whoever whoever is in his party. They're going to lose some people either way. Um, now, especially that they're having to be in a position where they're questioning the Democrats for like supporting the people of America. The Democrats have pushed through uh, their financial package and their and their stimulus. Um, yep. using a once-in-a-year opportunity to ignore the fact that Republicans exist. Um, and the Republicans are trying to criticize it, even though they did the same thing. Um, and they're trying to criticize the amount of money that that, <laughs> or, that or is going to be given to the citizens, even though uh, it's needed and people have been arguing for it and people voted for it. And it may not be as much as people voted for because Biden is not a good human being and is trying to skimp a wee bit. Um, skimp. I think that's um, the word. And we're seeing this uh, this lack of a powerful stance within the Republicans, where even some of their own are calling them out on it. We've we've had. Uh, oh wait, what's his name? The decent Mitch, uh, Mitt Romney. Yeah, Romney. We've had uh, Romney step out and say that hey, we cannot criticize the Democrats for just doing the same things as we did. Um, unity, 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 and all that blab. So they are going to lose votes. They don't have a strong stance on anything right now. They don't have a strong position. So. They, they got to try and do a hard reset and recover rather than just try and keep uh, the momentum going when the momentum doesn't exist. Okay, our final story, thank you if you're still listening, Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. is that Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is to leave his position later this year. He's going to pass... And nothing will change. <laughs> Indeed, he's going to pass uh, control of the company over to its top cloud executive... Yeah, but he's whatever that whatever that means. Yeah. Andy Jassy. But he's also going to take a position as the head of the board, and the top, the head of the company actually answers to the head of the board. So he's just stepping up. He's becoming more powerful. So he's going to be executive chairman. Yeah. So essentially, he'll he'll just have all the 
power slash control, which I'm pretty sure he had anyway. Yeah, he is going to be shooting lightning out of his fingies. So yeah, the 57-year-old founded Amazon in 1994, which was initially just a big online bookstore, but now it just sells Indeed. everything. And owns everything. And, uh, it's, uh, and owns everything. It's also surpassed its uh, $1 trillion market cap mm-hmm. under his leadership. Mm-hmm. It's now worth almost... Two trillion dollars. Yeah, but but overall, him doing this is just so that the spotlight is shared amongst more people, so that when he messes up, it's less of an impact, right? Um, and nothing's actually changing. They're ju- they're just trying to change their change their public image a wee bit. Okay, James. Anything else to add? We could, we've gone way over our time as usual. I would like to add that I tried my best not to go on too many long rants and tangents. I actually <laughs> did hold back on a few, so wow. you should all respect me for my willpower. I almost didn't go into a rant about Biden. So close. <laughs> and I still held back the second half of it. You still made a comment, though. And Joe heard it. <laughs> okay, well, if you, dear listener, have anything you would like to add to the show, be that a review or a tweet, you can do so. At Cease Operate on Twitter. Or send us an email, which I will check before the uh, the episode next week. Yeah. CeaseOperate at gmail.com. Right, James, I am off to have some more sugar and uh oh great maybe some alcohol oh that sounds like a good day (laughs) good friday has been spent well well done okay right see you next week bye-bye bye-bye